Hey girls, thanks so much for joining us for the Gateway Women podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Bridget Morris. Thank you for joining us. And today I have a guest with us and actually she's like kind of a a friend of mine. I call her when I need to, you know, get some tips and tricks for my life. She's becoming quite the mentor in my life. She doesn't even know how much I follow her um, in different areas of my life so that I can glean some wisdom, some discernment from how she's lived and how she's led, and now I can benefit from that. So I've got Pastor Julie Mullins on the call with us today. Hello. Hey there. I'm so excited to be with you today, Bridget. Just love you and James so much, and um, we just have a lot in common, right? So um, we both have just had a, our ministry journey has had a really similar journey that we both were on team at a church and, you know, just have been with our in family ministry for the last several years. So I'm just honored to be here and just love you guys so much. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, okay. So there's, uh, many people know the Mullins family, uh, for those of you who are listening or watching, um, Pastor Tom Mullins, coach, comes and preaches at Gateway quite frequently. We have been very close with the Mullins family for years and years. Robert and coach have been friends, and and now Todd and Julie and I get to be friends with James. James and I are friends with them. Um, so, but for those who don't know you, could you give us a little recap of your life a little bit, what you're into, what you do? Okay, so um, my husband Todd and I are the pastors here at Christ Fellowship Church down in South Florida. So we kind of call ourselves Gateway South, right? Um, So we actually just love um, Gateway Church and have just been friends for a really long time, but um, but very similar church with uh, several different locations. And um, and Todd and I began in ministry when we were still in college. Um, And so we've been, I have been in ministry for 40 years now. And even though my calling has been the same for the last 40 years, my assignment has changed about every single year, right? So as a college (laughs) student, just showing up, you know, didn't know anything about ministry or, or what God wanted to do with my life, but I knew God had put a calling to Mm -hmm. um, to just build his church. And I had a lot of vision and dreams, but I didn't have any wisdom. So God just put me next to amazing leaders, Pastor Tom and Donna Mullins, and I just kept showing up. So that was as a single college student. And it has just been a wild ride to be a part of the Christ Fellowship journey. We planted 30 years ago, Todd and I were alongside mom and dad from the very beginning. We've done worship and kids and um, and then executive pastoring. And then 12 years ago, we stepped in to be the senior pastors and we love what we get to do. So I hope that sums it up. Yes. Okay. And then you guys have a son who's now married. Yes. You guys are Ooh, empty nesters. Yeah. We are empty nesters. We never like we didn't see this coming, but yes. So we have a, a grown son, um, one son. I always thought I was kind of five, five kids. I wanted a basketball team because I was a basketball player in high school and college and just thought that's what I needed. But God gave us one amazing son that has brought us the joy of five. And, um, and back in 2020, in the midst of all the craziness, he married the love of his life, Cassie, and they both are on team here at the church. Um, Jefferson is doing worship and Cassie is um, on our kids team. And there it's just been an amazing blessing to be able to serve with them. But he, he was what I call my miracle 
miracle son from the very beginning. And we have definitely been on a journey of miracles and continue to see God's faithfulness in um, in him and and in in his new wife and ministry. So it's been pretty incredible. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, I'm looking forward to when my kids get married. I mean, they're little, so it's it's going to be a ways. But I'm like, that just means I get more kids, you know, and I didn't even have to birth them. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have to right. hurt them. I didn't even have to raise them, but I pray for them now. You know, I'm praying for, you know, my future uh, in-laws, you know, the, the my kids' uh, spouses, but uh, I pray for them actually every night when I'm putting yes, the kids to so bed, good. I pray for my kids and I pray for their spouses because I'm like, well, they're in the world somewhere. So we just go Absolutely. and pray for them. We did the same. We did the same. And God's going to let you know when to like amp those prayers up and start, you know, getting intense about that. Yes. Um, but Definitely. There was just a, a time in a season when we knew this is the season that we need to start praying more mm-hmm. and believing more. And, mm-hmm. um, and just what God did was just beyond what we could have even imagined in Cassie. So she's, they're amazing. That's beautiful. You guys do a ton of community work through Christ mm-hmm. fellowship. Um, they are very involved in the community, very involved in outreach. I mean, <clears throat> it locally, and also internationally, you guys really have a heart for all people. Um, mm-hmm. I know that you've always been very involved in, you know, looking for the future, looking towards the next generation, some of that. I know that, you, I mean, you have a podcast yourself. So this is a plug for Pastor Julie's podcast. What's the name of your podcast? Um, the So Good Sisterhood Podcast. So Good Sisterhood pod- Podcast. So if you're looking for some more encouragement, some more word, go check out her podcast. Um, it's a joy. So- uh, thinking through, you know, the next generation, I mean, even just the next generation of leaders and believers, um, what do you feel like, uh, the Lord has either shown you or led you to, to help, um, encourage that next generation, bring them alongside some of that? Like, what are some things that, um, are either you're doing or just a kind of part of your, a part of your life? Yes. Yes. I I love that question because I definitely have a heart and passion um, for the next generation of the church and the next generation of, of our, of our young people that Mm -hmm. are growing up in a culture that is way different than I grew up in. And Bridget, even though you're a lot younger than I am, it's way different than the culture you grew up in. And so it seems like the times have accelerated. And, you know, a few years back, um, I was in prayer and just heartbroken about some of the situations of just some kids that had grown up in our house, right? That they loved Jesus, they loved the church, and in a very short period of time, um, that that they were taken out in such a way that um, that the enemy just got a grip on their lives in such a way yeah. that just was so heartbreaking to us. Yes. And when, when we saw this happening just so quickly, again, in one year, wait a minute, a year ago, they loved Jesus, they loved the church, and and now they've just been taken out. And I remember just praying and in prayer, the Lord took me to Acts chapter two, when he said in, in these days that he's pouring out a spirit that his yeah. sons and his daughters are going to prophesy, that they're going to be the ones that declare you know, God's word over their generation. And as I began to pray, you know, just looking at that scripture, um, that, that they will be the voice of hope and light in a generation that is absolutely losing hope. Yeah. When I began to pray um, that scripture, the Lord just spoke to my heart and said, the enemy has a strategy and the strategy is to take this generation out before they get started. Wow. If he can take them out, if he can get them, if he can get them, you know, um, questioning their identity and when they're eight, nine, 10 years old, he can actually rob them of the calling of being 
the the vessels, the profits over their generation, if you can take them out um, by getting them addicted to pornography, pornography that's coming into their computers and their homes at an early age, then he can then then he can rob rob the 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 prophetic voice that that the Holy Spirit wants to wow. use. Yeah. to be able to impact their generation. And um, I just got really heavy really quick, but sorry about that. No, but, no, this is, what, this is, this is the, what we're talking about. Yeah, but the burden just became so intense and it was so personal because I was watching it happen to some sons and daughters that I'd known since the day they were born, right? Yeah. And as I began to pray about that, I just really sensed the Lord was saying, you know, in this age, he wants to give new strategies. He yes. wants to give a new strategy for this generation. Not that the old strategies didn't work, but it's, a new, a new day, day. right? Yeah. A new season. And God's always doing a new thing. It's not that they were bad. It's just that God has a new word. He's always doing a new thing. And so um, through that season of just intense prayer, um, God just brought us to the scripture um, in Kings. I think it was, it's second Kings where, you know, where Elijah is, um, where the the, bat, the king of Syria is getting so frustrated because every time he shows up for battle, um, that the, the people of Israel were actually waiting, waiting uh-huh. for the, the Syrian army and would yeah. t- would win every single time yeah. to the point where the king is sure that he has a spy in the camp and he's like inviting all his you know his soldiers and he's like hey who's who's telling on us who's spying on us and they said no it's not us it's this prophet yeah and so God was speaking to Elijah he says he, what he says is it's it's the prophet Elijah that God speaks to him the very words that you king are saying in your bedroom mm. and so it was actually the God was actually speaking to Elijah, the battle strategy that the enemy had. And when he spoke to Elijah, Elijah told the, the God's people yes. and they got to be in position. And so that's kind of a long background to, you know, what I felt like the Lord was speaking is that if we, that he has a new strategy and the strategy mm-hmm. is that if we can get there first before the enemy gets there yes. with the next generation, yeah. then we will be in position. So when the enemy shows up, that we are able to, that, that we're, we're able to proactive, right? Proactive, right? Cause it said, you know, George Barna said this, that in the race to the heart of a child, the first one there wins. Yes. yes. And what we realized was, was culture was getting there before we were. Yes. Right. Um, the principle you know, of first mention is in the Bible, but I'm also like, there's a principle of first mention with your own kids. That's right. That's right. And so if you, if you can get there first, you're going to be in position. And yes. so so that brought us to just, wow, what do we need to do to get there first? How do when, we need to start discipleship when they're four, five, six yeah. years old, getting yeah. the word of God in their heart. We've been making church so convenient for the next generation that it was like, you know, hey, mm-hmm. just we don't want to take too much of your time. But it's like, man, they need more. They need yes. more of God's people. They need more um, influence. And so we've really just been amping up, you know, just the um, the strategy of of discipleship in our kids and the next generation, getting into, you know, really ministering to teachers that are in the public schools so yes. that they can, you know, be a voice in the, in the lives of students. And so yeah. just all of that to say that there's this there's this passion as as a church we've you know, as we've cast vision to our church but also this deep passion within me to to be able to 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 minister to our kids earlier yes. than we even thought we ever had to yes. right and when you think about you know that um that verse where it says you know, that God's pouring out his spirit that his sons and daughters are going to prophesy, but that, you know, that, that the old men and women, okay. So that's yeah. me now, you know, that we're going to, that we're going <laughs> to dream dreams. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I feel like that, um, that again, the enemy's strategy has been to take out yeah. people 
that had been in ministry for a long time. Yeah, to stop dreaming. Fruit. Yeah. Stop dreaming and to rob them of the fruit of impacting the next generation, yes. right? And so, um, so our responsibility is to prepare the next generation for the platform yes. that's been prepared for them. Yes. And I feel like even, you know, that's a church context, but, but that applies to every person because we all are, you know, we're all in, in one of those seasons. We're either the, you know, kind of the Isaac generation, the right. Jacob generation or the Abraham generation. And so it's like, we, you know, to, to some, I don't know, maybe I'm the Abraham <laughs> <laughs> I guess if there's right. a little four-year-old, I'm probably the Abraham, you know? Um, but there, there is, there is this, um, generational, uh, blessing that comes even from the unity that's between the generations, oh, absolutely. you know? And so, uh, having a part and in, in recognizing our part that we play in that, whether, whether you're a parent or not, you know, right. I'm a parent. So I'm looking at that from my parental eyes. I love that. You know, I pray for God's strategies. I do that. I pray for the Lord's strategies that I would be able to combat the enemy before he even shows up. So yes. I've already prepared a, a battleground where I have the upper hand. Yep. I've got the high ground. So right. we can't, right. you know, the enemy's going to come. It's just what it is. You know, in this world, we will face trials and tribulations. It, it, do not act like this is a strange thing that you have trials and tribulations in your life. Right. right. But at the same time, that doesn't mean we have to, we're not, we're not coming from a, a place of losing or even, or even the, the low ground. We mm-hmm. fa- we have we have trials and tribulations. We're gonna have things that we battle. We're, we're in a spiritual battle. Just we're alive. We're in a spiritual battle. Yes. But that doesn't mean we have the low road. We actually we can be from the high ground. But that That's takes that takes some intentionality with the Lord. But it, ta- it also that. takes every generation working together. Yes, right. Absolutely. So I love absolutely. that because this this battle for the next generation is not the next generation's is not only the next generation's battle, right? That's right. It is our battle, and and you know you said Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and um and you mentioned about whether you're a parent or not. First of all, as a parent, you know this is like this this vision, like again as a parent that we own. We, we own that we've got to get there before yes. anybody else does, you yes. know, and yes. again, we have to be, we're not going to be uninformed, right? We, we have to know the lay of the land in that, in that same passage when, um, when the Syrian army shows up and the, you know, and, and Elijah and his servant are looking out, you know, over, and, um, if you remember the scripture that they, they, they look out and he's like, I'm surrounded. His servant's like, master, what are we going to do? We are yeah, surrounded. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. And, and Elijah looks out and says, would you open his eyes? Yeah. And I used to think that, you know, well, uh, uh, the servant was looking at the natural and Elijah was looking at the supernatural. But the truth is, Elijah saw that army. He saw in the natural. Yeah. We have to be informed about right. what's going on in the natural. Our heads are not so in the clouds. Our heads are not. So we have to know. But. We have to know that the the supernatural, yes. the natural is only peripheral to the yes. supernatural. And and for us to be informed about what this generation, what our kids are facing. Yes. But you said something about, and, and then to be able to invite the supernatural into that. But you said, you know, even if you're not a parent, and I know for me that, um, that in my journey, because I was not raised, you know, in a Christian home. And mm-hmm. so I didn't, you know, I didn't receive the Lord until I was um, about 14 years old. And, but for me, some of the key influences in my life were the 22, 23 year old yeah. you know, student ministry worker that just right. invested in me and went to battle for me. Yes. And, you know, and so we all have this responsibility in this. Absolutely. So speaking of, you know, what the, what the next generation is facing, I feel like this is more, it is like highlighted right now for the next generation, but it's something that every generation deals with is, um, insecurity. 
It, it's it's right. figuring out, you know, your identity in Christ and, and just what the different transitions and phases of your life look like, um, you know, from going from being a teenager to then, you know, a young married to then having kids to then being, you know, an empty nester. And there's just these different transitions in our lives and everybody deals with insecurity. Now yeah. I feel like those teenage years maybe are more pronounced, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> I don't know, but I feel like no matter who you are and what stage of life you're in, insecurity is just a part of something that we have to overcome in different seasons. So, um, how have you, how have you walked that out in your life? I feel like there's some, there's some spiritual side of this. There's even some practical side of this so that ladies who are maybe in feeling this more in their season right now can kind of glean from you wisdom on, on how to walk this out. Well, yeah, well, that's such a great question, Bridget, because, um, you know, even in what we were just talking about the next generation, I think there's a lot of, of, um, of us that have felt insecure about speaking over the next generation thinking, they don't want to hear from us. Mm, they think yeah. we're just, you know, or, or you know, what we I'm going to say, but he, they, they don't want to hear. So when you think about that as a parent, when you start feeling insecure around your kids, what does it do? It actually robs us of the spiritual authority that God's given us. Yeah. And I do think that insecurity is a, our insecurities are a weapon that the enemy can use yeah. to keep us from the fruitfulness in, in our, keep us from spiritual fruit in our lives. Because if we feel insecure, we're going to shrink back. And I know, I know for me, I mean, I, can go back, you know, every, all of us deal with insecurities, but I can just go back from as far as I can remember, like when I was a teenager and you're feeling insecure about the way you look and about the way you talk. And then, you know, as a young married person, um, but all of us deal with insecurities and, you know, only for me, um, when I was a young mom being insecure about just my, my ability to be the mom that I needed to be, but then going into the workplace and feeling insecure about sometimes being the only woman in the room. Mm -hmm. Um, and then thinking all of us, you know, I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm not enough. And so we all deal with insecurities. And, and what I would want anyone to know is that, um, that you can have insecurities and not be insecure. That's so good. you can have insecurities, but you don't have to be insecure because insecurities, like you said, are a part of life. You don't yeah. have to be insecure. And for me, I, what I realized is when I have felt, you know, insecure, my natural tendency is either to try to prove myself, right? I'm going to try, I'm going to work harder to prove myself yeah. or I shrink you back shrink and back. I don't yeah. back. And so we can have those extremes. And, and what I found just in navigating any insecurities, I, so that I don't become insecure is, um, is just this tension that we have, um, to be a both and leader. And what I mean by that both and that I can be confident, confident in who I am, confident in God's calling in my life. Yeah. And I can be humble yes. at the same time. Yes. And I think as women that we probably deal with this, you know, a lot because we, we want to be confident, but we don't want to be overbearing, right? Yes. We don't, we don't want to come across over. And then we, we want to be humble, but we don't, we don't, we don't want to be, um, we don't want to be perceived as a weak leader or, yes. or a weak parent, or, yes. you know, so we've got this tension. You've got the scripture that says, turn the other cheek, but you're more than just a conqueror. Right. Yes. And so there's all of these tensions that we have. And, and I think being a both and that I can be both extremely confident and extremely humble. Yeah. It really helps us to know 
navigate the insecurities that we might be walking through. You know, um, you, the more humble we are, it's going to open us up for others to be able to speak into our lives. The yes. more humble we are, we're going to ask more questions and then be able to grow. You know, the more confident we are, the more people are going to feel confident following us, right? Yeah, or, the you more know, secure they, they feel. Right. They, they want to know that, you know, that, that we're heading in the right direction. This is your kids. You know, yeah. this is any, any place that you're leading, that you have influence. And, um, and I think confidence when you think about it is really just about knowing um, who you are and not pretending to be somebody else. Yes. And that I'll say that again, confidence is knowing who you are, but not pretending to be somebody else, which is sounds simple, but it's not easy, right? Yes. It's, it's not easy. And so um, I think that a lot of times that, when we think about, you know, our the, that tension, that embracing the extremes of confidence and humility, um, I, I think there's a couple of things that I've just kind of filters that I've used, right? Yeah. When I find myself feeling insecure, um, yeah. and again, and then a lot of times when you're insecure, pride can can pop up because you feel like you have to prove something. And so, um, if I base my confidence in my accomplishments, then it is going to waver day to day, right? Yeah. If I base my, you know, in, in what I do, but really this confidence comes in who we are. So yeah. I think um, the first filter I, you know, I run this through is that, that I need to know where to find confidence that I don't possess. I need, I need to know where to go to find the confidence yeah. that I don't possess. And this goes back to just being in the word <laughs> yeah. because our confidence is not in ourselves. Our confidence is in the Lord. Our confidence is in, you know, in, right. in who, that we can have confidence in the calling and the purposes he's put on our life. Um, so this is all about, you know, going to the place to get the confidence that I don't have um, inside of myself, because in myself, I'm always going to look to what I do. And we need to go back to who we are. And when it comes to this, there's just no replacement for, you know, just having habits and disciplines and practices that are going to put us in the position that are going to grow us in our confidence in the Lord and his right. calling in our life, you know, because these practices really increase our capacity, the, the practices of being in the word, the practice of prayer, the practice of, um, of just you continually putting yourself um, in a position where you're going to be able to hear from the Lord. He's going to be able to address your insecurities. He's going to be able to, you know, to be able to help you be more confident in your parenting because when you call on him, he's going to answer you. And so these practices actually just build spiritual muscle mass, right? Yeah. And so yeah. I always say that at the beginning because there's a lot of practical things that we can say, but no matter how practical we get, that there's just no replacement for, for time in the word and time Absolutely. in prayer. Yeah. So, so that, you know, that's the first one where to go to get confidence that you don't have. And then knowing yourself that, you know, God's word says that I'm a masterpiece, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of days I feel like a train wreck, right? <laughs> I'm I've had a few mornings think, like that. So, so glad that's what you think, God, but you know, what you think of me and what I think of me, there's a big gap. And so, um, and, but really like really believing what God says about you, knowing yourself. And when I find myself in that gap between what he says and how I'm feeling, you know, it is about wrestling our identity to the ground and then, um, and knowing and being able to, you know, I can be confident in this. This is who you say I am, but also knowing our strengths, 
knowing our strength zone, because where I also find sometimes when I'm insecure is when I'm operating outside of what my strength is or what my season is. And so knowing yourself, you know, knowing things like, I mean, just simple tools like Myers-Briggs and, you know, and your strength finders, those are little things as a mom, as, as, as a professional woman, wherever you are, as a teenager, as a college student, knowing yourself, like, this is so important that that yes. you get to know how God created you. And so this isn't about, you know, about a business model, but it's really about us knowing our strengths, knowing how God's created us. Yeah. Um, I know in myself, I know my Myers-Briggs, I know some of my strengths and weaknesses. I know that I'm very driven. And so mm-hmm. I know that I can be a workaholic at times, right? <laughs> and so knowing those things about myself yes. allows yes. me to address insecurities. And when I find myself swinging over to being unhealthy, mm-hmm. that I, that, that the, the Lord can deal with me on that. Um, I'm, I know that I am by nature an encourager that I, I really do just by nature, the way God created me is that I love to speak life and encouragement over people. So I need people around me that have discernment, right? <laughs> because, because I may not always see what someone with the gift of service. So again, my confidence comes when, you know, when I know myself, but I also know what I need around me. That's you what know? I was going to say, partnering your strengths with knowing your weaknesses so that yes. when you, st- because we all have weaknesses and when those are showcased, you don't have to be insecure about it. You kind of already know like, yeah, you know, that's not, that's not my strongest suit, but that's why I partner myself with this friend. Or that's why my husband actually is strong in this. If yes. you're not, if neither of you is strong in that, you probably need some wise counsel around you so that you guys can, you know, Hey, we're looking at buying this house, but neither yes. of us are very discerning on some of this stuff. So we need some wise counsel, you know, there's just, that's the power of the body. That's the power of having uh, wise counsel and, and, uh, you know, mentors or just friends who have giftings that are your weakness. So I love, I love that point of knowing yourself and being confident in who God created you to be the giftings he's given you. That also lends such a beautiful hand to somebody else for them to be confident. It creates space for somebody else to be confident and for, for both of you to shine. Yes. Yeah. I I think that's, that's so important. I mean, you know, you, you hit on that just community and that our, you know, our confidence, our, our confidence can be such a, um, such a a beautiful open door for other people to be able to build their confidence, right? Yes. Knowing, you know, knowing that we have a certain strength and inviting them in and just saying, I see that gifting in you and I need that around me because Mm -hmm. in order to make a a good decision or in order to, you know, to be able to even give me insight to my child that I may not even have, but you've been down the road a little bit further than me, but gaining yes. the wisdom. I mean, that again, that knowing yourself, but also knowing that God did not put you on this earth to do this parent alone, to lead yes. alone. Yes. It, you have been created and there are, he has, he has given us the greatest gift in the body of Christ. It is greatest gift to us that we yes. would have, you know, besides him and his Holy Spirit, the church, the, you know, the community of believers that you do not, you don't have to do this. And as a matter of fact, the only battle that you can't win is the one that you try to fight on your own. Right. And so this is, this is the gift, you know, that he gives us. So he wants to give us confidence and there's the extreme of humility, you know, and we can be humble at the same time. And I think this is so important because humility isn't the opposite of confidence. It's actually what happens when you place your confidence in him. That's right. You know, when you recognize all of those things that I, the truth is, is that, you know, in God's eyes, I am enough, but 
I'm not enough to do everything that's on my plate to do. You know, I'm that's not, right. yes, exactly. I, I mean, we are, you know, I, I'm enough to be loved. I I'm loved. I'm chosen, but you know, I don't have enough capacity yeah. um, to be able to accomplish the things he's put me on this earth to accomplish in a way that he wants me to accomplish them by myself, you know, yeah. and so that requires humility and, and recognizing that his strength can be perfect. So I don't have to be. Right. That's right. That yes. Strength is perfect. So I don't have to be. So really cultivating, um, you know, cultivating both of those extremes, humility and confidence is, and going back to your original question is how I feel like we can be, you know, we can have insecurities and not be insecure. I love that so much that, that we can run that through those filters. And then, you know, I, I, I skipped one thing. It was like, know your, know your stuff. Right. So, I mean, a lot of times we're like, you know, we, we want to have confidence. We, competence actually increases our competence yeah that if we're you know whether you're a teacher whether you're a nurse whether you're a parent you know know your stuff I mean yeah. go to school on whatever area that you're feeling insecure in right that's right and you may become an expert on it but you can definitely grow in those areas of weakness yeah I love that there is an investment piece to that and I feel like when you're confident and still humble which which humility often looks like teachability. Absolutely. You know, I don't yeah. know it all. So I'm going to go ask someone else to help me in this area because I don't know it all. So I'm going to be teachable. I'm going to be humble. And mm -hmm. I feel like, I feel like when you see a confident person, they're usually teachable. Yes, absolutely. Because they're confident to say like, Hey, I don't know it all. Actually, it takes some confidence to say that. Yes. Yes. I think there's practices in that, you know, like, yes. like you said, asking questions, being teachable. Those are like, we have to actively, um, we have to actively invest in our humility, right? Yes. I mean, I used to think that we would become, we, we would have, the only way to have humility is if we were humbled in some kind of way. And yes, there are a lot of life circumstances that are going to humble us and God wants to use those. But, but I don't want to wait on that. I don't want to have to be humbled. I yes. want to humble myself before. Yes. There's a scripture that talks about being like, you can humble yourself on the rock or you can be crushed by the rock. And I'm like, oh, I choose to humble myself, please, Lord. I don't want to have to have a circumstance come my way for me to realize my need for him and my need for others. Like, I hope that I have the perspective of that on my own and I don't have to go through something that humbles me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, it's opening yourself up, right? Like yeah. you, you have to go through that. It's opening yourself up to go, Hey, is there anything? I mean, Todd is so great about this. You know, we, we stepped into senior leadership a few years ago, but there's still times he'll be in the car with his dad and he'll say something like, um, Hey dad, is there anything that you may want to have been talking to me about, or is there something, yes. a, a point of coaching that you want to give me, but you're kind of just waiting for the right time. Now's that time. That so is amazing. I love that. To, you know, he didn't have to like, when am I going to have this really long conversation? Yes. And how am I going to, so, and I, I love that. And I've seen that in so many of our young leaders, you know, um, they'll, they'll say things like after we visit, you know, the, the intern homeroom or whatever, you know, and, and, yeah. The leader will text me and say, hey, was there anything that you saw that, that you would do any different? I'm like, that was so easy because then I don't have to like have the big conversation, right. the Oreo of something positive and then insert the instruction and say something positive again. <laughs> yes. It's like, yes. no, you just opened up the door and, yes. you know, and I, I've done this like in relationships and in leadership, just asking the question every once in a while to people that you trust, you know, right. what's it like to be on the other side of me? Right. So yes. I want to know. Is there a that's, a, that's a great marital question. Hey, what's it like to be on the other side of me? That's a beautiful marriage question. 
Yes. And then, you know, is there, is there anything, is there a blind spot that I'm not seeing because you, I mean, blind spots are back here. We, we yeah. can't see them, but other people do. And I would certainly hate to go through, you know, a long period of everybody else is seeing something and I'm not seeing it. Right. right. So, um, so that, and, and when you've got a trusted person, you can ask that question too. And I usually, before I ask them, I'm like, I'm usually trying to like, okay, I know I'm going to be asked this question. <laughs> so the next couple of days, you know, are going to be really good around here, but no, I'm just kidding. But I, you know, I, but I, I, I do have that. A piece yeah. of like having, if you ask the question, because I'm thinking like, it's, there's times when I'm like, I'm going to ask this question and I have to prepare myself mm-hmm. for the response that I'm going to get. Absolutely. And there's, mm-hmm. and there is the, a, a humility portion of that. And there's, and there's also like a, a confidence portion of that, that I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, what they say is going to help me grow. So mm-hmm. I'm going to prepare myself for growth. And growth is not always the most comfortable, but if I truly am asking, if I'm, if I'm really asking, because, you know, sometimes people are like, give me all the feedback. And then you do, and they are like not having it. Um, so again, I'm like, I'm I'm thinking even uh, this could be a marriage dynamic. It could be a boss, you know, relationship, however this works out. But, you know, when you ask for feedback, it has to be from a genuine place and really like bringing yourself to a place of saying, okay, I'm going to receive the feedback. Now, sometimes you get feedback and you're like, I don't know totally about that. That may be coming from a different filter. And I'm going to, I'm going to talk to the Lord. I'm going to pray into that. But, but, but preparing yourself for some feedback, I feel like, uh, is, is a key in growth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Without it, it can actually just feel like a wound. That's right. That's right. I, I love that. I mean, you said that it's like preparing yourself for it, giving yourself time and space mm. to be able to talk about it, you know, um, and don't just like ask it on the fly on the way out the door, you know, um, <laughs> or in the, when the kids I, are in the back seat screaming right. and you're like, do I have anything to work on? Well, yes, you do. You know, or yeah, the, and then the kids are like, yeah, that's you. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so I, I would say, but, you know, you said it earlier, you said, you know, being prepared that something may be said that could hurt me. Mm but it will not harm you. Right. Right. And there's a difference between hurt and harm. And I think that, you know, what, what you're asking, this is going to be hurt. This is going to be short-term pain for long-term gain. And yes. so being able to receive, you know, again, we're talking, this is a question you don't ask everybody. This is a question right. that you, ask, you know, to trusted people. Right. And, um, and I know like when I've had to ask this to coworkers, you know, because we have people that were on team for a long time and we could just start going in, you know, just, just kind of going with the flow and get into some unhealthy patterns. And there's just a one time a year um, that I just stop and just, there's a couple other things we do in this, but just going, Hey, just, is there anything in my leadership, you know, that could be causing a a, a block between you and me? Is there any, what's it like to be on the other side of me? And I've heard, I mean, when I've asked that question to my kids, to my husband, I have heard some hard things, you know, I've heard things like, you know, wow. None of us are perfect. Right. Sometimes you're here, but you're not here. Yes. And so that's going to be more intentional and present, you know, um, sometimes that you, you walk in a room and, you know, and, and you're just rushing in and you get right to the agenda instead of, you know, and then that, that's helped me to slow down. And, yeah. you know, that's I, to be able to hear other people in the room, you know, so there's just been things along the way that have been difficult, but have also in the long run, I'm so glad that they were said in a safe space so that I could you know, and there's been times 
so that I can improve. And there's been times things have been said where, like you said, that it's like, yeah. I'm going to receive that. I'm going to pray about that. And then, you know, and um, all feedback is like that. We have to filter that. Right, right. Yeah. Kind of filter it through the Lord and like, is this something that I, that's really applicable to me or, or is this an area that maybe they have a sensitivity to, you know? Um, okay. So that leads me to a different question um, that is just kind of just popped into my brain, but okay. So you are a leader and you have a lot, like a lot of people know you and think they know you. <laughs> And, you know, uh, sometimes you get some unwarranted feedback. So that's, I mean, that's something that everybody deals with. Everybody deals with people saying things that could be hurtful. How do you deal with, you know, undo, like kind of undo criticism? It's not the people that are really helping build you up, but I'm, I'm just thinking through, you know, people post something and, and you get these nasty comments, you know, you have a, a, a group and maybe there's some comparison in parenting or in marriage and some of that. And you just kind of have, how, how do you deal with, yeah, just that kind of undue criticism? How do you yeah. stay grounded right. when you have right. that kind of coming right. at you? Yeah, that's, that's a tough question. And, um, and I think we all have to deal with that. Some of us probably have to deal with it, you know, on a more frequent basis than, than others. I would probably right. go to what I said earlier about there is no replacement for certain practices that you put in place mm -hmm. to um, give you a proactive stance, meaning that um, that back in 2020, when we were, you know, when we were dealing, all of us were dealing with a lot, um, I don't want to flashbacks, but COVID and the political season and, you know, and then how the church handled it. And, you know, that was probably a season to be honest with you, yeah. that was a season that just took us by surprise because we have actually been in a position where we have enjoyed, you know, just the favor of God and blessing of God in our lives. We haven't had that much conflict and especially confrontation against our personal leadership. Right. And that season was so divisive that yes. there was just no, it was unavoidable, right? right. And so uh, there was a lot of unsolicited you know, feedback that we were getting and criticism directed really sharply, you know, towards us. And for the yeah. first time, there were some people that, you know, left our church and it was just really hard, you know? Yeah. Um, and so during that time, I think that proactively, I, it really, it, I really had a hard time with it. And yeah. I remember just mornings where I just could not even, you know, I, I didn't even want to get out of bed. And, yeah. and I was like, Lord, I don't know if I have what it takes, you know, to, you know, um, to, to do this today. Yeah. And, I actually developed this, um, this habit, this practice of having morning declarations, you know, mm. of, of the things that were, you know, that was, that were facing me in that season, especially. And I, and I have a whole, um, I have a whole list of them, but, you know, I have a declaration of my husband, a declaration of my kids. And, and for this particular one, you know, um, is it, I, I wrote out a declaration about, and this was for this season, but just about, you know, that, that I am secure in my calling, right. Yeah. Um, that I'm called to, um, to love people yeah. without reserve. Right. Yes. And to love people without reserve and knowing that that was going to bring about sometimes I can't I don't even have it in front of me because it was very it was very specific for yeah. that season. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. but but I would declare every single morning that, you know, that I know this is my calling. Right. And that I'm going to love people without reserve no matter what, no matter what's said about me today. Right. I'm going to choose 
happiness, but I'm not going to resist pain. I'm going to take the high road, right? I'm going to take the high road knowing um, that that this, you know, that whatever's happening right now is going to produce fruit in my life. So I think that, um, that for me, that it was proactively getting on the front end of it and going, okay, I'm going to be confident in um, who God's created me to be. So when something comes my way that I'm going to be ready for it and proactively. But I also think that um, in that season and, and still today is taking those um, taking that and say, where is there, is there a, you know, um, is, is there some gold is, is there, is there a nugget in the negative, right? Yeah. Is there a nugget in, is there anything that I can learn? And, you know, anytime this happens, it is our chance to love people, you know, um, love people like they need to be loved and maybe not like I wish they would love me. So it's like, yeah. you know, it's like, if there's, if there's, a, <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh, okay. So I want to see their perspective. I can, you know, is there, is there a perspective that I'm missing? Yeah. And most of the time there is a perspective. So I always say, even if you're, even if they're 98% um, wrong, and I'm 2% wrong, I'm going to take complete ownership of my 2%, right? So whatever that is, you know, I'm going to try to find something that I can acknowledge, especially if it's a personal thing. But then the second thing is, is that, um, is really just, you know, just having to stand confident and that any feedback that we get, there is something in it that we can find, even if it is, you know, Mm -hmm. even if it is kind of wrestling something to ground and going, no, this, this is, you know, we are not going to go in this direction. We're going to go in this direction. Even if that's the positive thing that comes out of it, right. it's really that criticism and just going, you know, we're going to, um, we're going to, you know, we're, we're, I'm going to handle this in a way that even if I'm a hundred percent, even if, you know, I can be right. So right. I'm wrong. Yeah. So I yeah. have the right answer and still have the wrong spirit. So yeah. God help me to have the right spirit in this. Help yeah. me to, to use the situation to be able to build your kingdom. Help yeah. me to respond, you know, the way that you would have me to respond. Right. And um, I think that's, that's basically, I, I don't know if that says, you know, is the no, answer you're looking for. Well, just, I'm looking for yeah. whatever, you know, wisdom you have to share with yeah. that. I just feel like that's, that's a pretty, like people used to deal with gossip or just, you know, like unkind words here and there, but I feel like it's, it's more prevalent now with the social media space and, you know, people will say things to a screen that they would never say to a face and people just can unleash. And then, then the Mm -hmm. other person is left dealing with that. And I'm like, I think us having, having, uh, you know, strong, kind of filters and, and you don't want to build thick skin to where then you become cold or hard, you know? So how do you stay loving towards people even when they're not so loving, you know, and it, it can be people you don't even know or people that you do know. Something that the Lord showed me years ago is um, somebody said something and, and my, I, I knew that they had a hurt in this area. And it was like, my immediate response was compassion actually. And I, I, mm-hmm. it was, it was, that would have been anybody's, like anybody would have compassion for the person because they were in a place that they, they kind of lashed out because they were in pain. Mm-hmm. But the Lord showed me that that's actually so many other people are in pain and you just don't know it. And when they lash out, mm-hmm. you know, having a perspective of compassion, but then I kind of swung too far and I, you know, any, anybody, I was like, they're probably in pain. It's fine. <laughs> I started realizing that I was yeah. kind of dismissing it, but I like what you say, like find the nugget in the negative. Yeah. Like, yes. th- there's actually some things that I probably shouldn't have dismissed. Mm-hmm. You know, right. there's a lot that you can, you know, have compassion for that person. You don't know what they're walking through. It could be rough. Right. right. You never know and what they're walking through. 
Absolutely. And and again, you know, this was one of my declarations that, you know, that I am going to my I'm going to strive to be unoffendable. Yes. I'm going to strive to be unoffendable. So if I walk in every day with that posture, I will strive to be unoffendable. And there's a scripture. I only know the King James version because I memorized it, but it's like, great peace have thee that love thy law and nothing will offend them. You know, and it's just talking about, you know, it's, it's to our advantage that um, there's a proverb that says it's to our advantage that, that we overlook an offense. Right. And so there are things that we just have to overlook. Right. And especially, but, but there are times, and again, we talked about a lot. Social media is one of them. It's like, I am not going to respond or react to every negative thing that's said out there. Right. Yes. Yes. But yeah. You can I stay know. quiet. But I can stay quiet. I, but I know there's some people I might need to respond to that situation, yeah. you know, to my close circle of friends or people that, you know, that, but, um, but knowing knowing who you're responsible to respond to. Also, we are not responsible to respond to every single negative thing that's said about us or about our friend or about, you know, a a person in ministry that we align ourselves with or don't align ourselves with. We are not responsible to that, but we are responsible to our family and to the people that we lead to, you know, if there is something that, that we need to, you know, to address, because like you said, there's some things I probably let go that I probably should have, you know, um, because it wasn't someone on social media. And I would say, people ask me all the time, what's your biggest regret in ministry or in leadership or in your relationships? And I always say my biggest regrets were the conversations I didn't have. Oh, that's, I didn't, I should have asked that question. I'm so glad you did. (laughs) Yeah. No, the, you know, the times when I did not have the conversations that could have moved a relationship forward because I was, I was conflict averse. Right. I I was like, I just could not like, I, there's two ways people handle conflict to the extreme. There's fighters and there's fleers. I was a definite fleer just because of my background. And I had no idea. Like I thought that I was like, the picture of the scripture, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the children of God. And I was like, I thought that would be me. That was me, but I was actually faking. I wasn't making peace. I was faking peace because I was not allowing the redemptive conversation to happen. That could have been if I brave enough to, and courageous enough to embrace, you know, embrace conversations that might've hurt me, but not harm me, might have made me uncomfortable, but right. could have taken relationships to another level. That was in my marriage and ministry. So That's for so me, good. like normalizing conflict that this is going to happen. And now again, I'm talking about people you're in relationship with, right. not right. with every single person that right. says something on Instagram. Yeah. And I think our definition yeah. of conflict, um, depending on how you were raised or depending on what you've experienced in your life, conflict can look different ways. And sometimes people view conflict you know, if, if you grew up with an alcoholic parent, your viewpoint of conflict may be so much more traumatic than what right. a healthy conflict is. Whereas mm-hmm. then if you grew up with no conflict and nobody talked about anything and everything was just kind of like hidden under the rug and there was never anything brought to the light, you didn't work through anything, right. you know, you can have a fear of conflict. But and I don't know that probably we've all experienced both of those, you know, you've probably seen the extremes of that. And then you, 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 you know, where's that middle balance? Where's that, where's that iron sharpening iron that Mm -hmm. in itself is a conflict. There is a friction that is happening to sharpen iron hitting and breaking off little shards of the other one to Mm -hmm. make us into 
the formation that we should be. Um, but doing that in a healthy way is, I don't know. I feel like that's gotta be led by the Holy spirit. My goodness, because doing it in a, it it takes courage and it takes growth and it takes, you know, um, I, I think for me, it's that for me, because I was a fleer and, it was, it was actually pretty humorous. You know, the first time Todd and I actually had a real fight was on our honeymoon. Like we had date, we, because we dated off and on all the way through high school and we were more like friends than anything. And we were trying to follow the Lord's so we're like, Oh, I'm going to release you to find God's will. You know, that's how we broke up. So then we got engaged. We were not even dating. That's oh another whole story in and of itself. Oh my goodness. Literally, I mean, 18 months, I'll tell that another time, but because of that, and then we were apart for most of our engagement. So wow. we're on our honeymoon and all of a sudden we got into a little bit of a, a conflict and I shut down because in my mind, I thought once a fight happened that the marriage was over the relationship. Yeah. Cause that's what, what was my experience. Yeah. And so, and for and he did not understand how I didn't get over it just like that. And what I realized is I would tuck it you know, and think, I thought it was peacemaking. Cause I thought if I just don't say anything, mm-hmm. then I am going to, you know, that this is going to go away. Well, that for me, there was this perspective shift because I value harmony and unity so much yeah. that and I thought that conflict was the absence or the enemy of unity, yeah. but it's actually the opportunity for unity. Yes. Only way. I mean, again, it's the opportunity for unity. It was a perspective shift. And when you think about peace, you know, you think about peace that, um, what, that we, that we live in a country right now, even though there's other countries that aren't experiencing peace, right. peace doesn't come without a battle. Right. Right. And so in order for there to be unity and harmony in a relationship, there are going to be some battles, that perspective shift. Right. Um, Coming together and having loving someone enough on my perspective, loving someone enough to enter into an uncomfortable zone so that the relationship can move forward. And again, I was really awkward, but I had to learn tools to do that. And then, you know, to really just to be able to go, hey, I'm not really good at this, but I want you to know that I value our relationship too much to be able to to let it go on, to let this conflict go on. Yeah. So I'm going to have this conversation, but I I might say the wrong thing. So I just am asking for grace as I enter into this conversation. So that's how I had to enter every conversation. Todd, on the other hand, he was a fighter. And so, you know, he had no problems. There were times for him that, you know, he might've said, angry, hurtful words, you know, in the midst of conflict, he, he wasn't too bad, but you know, but again, we all grow. That's the extreme. And then him, him coming into conflict, he had to come in a little softer, a little Mm -hmm. bit, you know, not so confrontational because the truth is we all know that you can be so right. You're wrong. Right. Right. And that you can, you know, you can win an argument, but just because you're a great debater doesn't mean you're right. You know, so it doesn't even mean you actually win. Right. (laughs) Resolving the argument, you lost the battle. (laughs) And it's about it's about restoring a relationship, not always resolving an issue. And so, sorry, that was a lot. But that was but it really did. I think those are the you know, that, that we do have to figure out how to, especially in the body of Christ, you know, yes. um, we're going to have differences, differences yes. of opinions, yes. but when you look at conflict is really just a seed that has potential. It has the potential to be a weed, to choke yeah. out joy and peace and, and trust in a relationship right. or it has the potential for something beautiful of more intimacy, you know, right. or, you know, more fruit in a team, right. all of those things are important. Right. And I yeah. think that can, that can play into work that can play into your marital relationship that can play into having kids that can play into your relationship with your parents. You know, there's, 
there's all different dynamics to our lives. And, and that's just a principle that goes along with, you know, just the, the things that we walk through as women. We have a lot of relationships that and dynamics that we're navigating, you know, in a workplace, in a in family, in our own personal relationship with the Lord. I love what you said that sometimes you just have to, you said something along the lines of, you know, you have to embrace pain sometimes. You know, not all pain is harm. And I think that's a little bit what you're saying. Like not all hurt is harmful. Yes. Like sometimes, you know, you have, you have, you work out and your, your body's in pain, but it's actually because you're getting better. You know, there, there's, there's pain points but it produces something good in the end. There's even healing that happens in our body that is technically painful, but it's healing. It, it's healing for us. So, uh, so I feel like for for those ladies who are maybe going through a moment, and I feel like all of this kind of came alongside the the confidence and the insecurities. And even though we all have insecurities, you don't have to be insecure and and the teachability and the humility. Like I, I just feel like this this um, conversation. I feel like it's so timely for so many women who are just walking through the different seasons of our lives and and what we're what we're all facing facing and navigating and doing that with partnering of the Holy Spirit and partnering with friends. You know, thank you for joining us for this podcast because you know the women who are listening are are wanting to grow. They're wanting to have you know practical things that they can do in their lives. So when they start feeling that little insecurity rise up, they can say, okay, yes. This is a weak point for me, but you know what? Having some affirmations in the morning, like different seasons of your life, you might need to have that discipline. You might need Mm -hmm. to have that habit. What are, what are the the disciplines and habits that you need for your season? You know, um, so for those that are, you know, listening, watching, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you that you need in this season? You know, that, that he wants to show you in this season, what is he walking you through and, and what little uh, tidbits and, and nuggets and gems of truth can, can you receive from this conversation that's going to help you walk out, you know, your daily life? That's, that's the goal of this podcast is, is to um, encourage, inspire, and equip women to walk out their daily lives with the Lord. How can you do that better? So um, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for encouraging. I mean, I know you said you're a natural encourager, but but the truth that you brought from the word, your natural ability to encourage just, I felt like, oh, I'm just so excited about this conversation and this episode. I feel like it is going to be such a blessing to those women who are listening. So thank you for taking time and investing in Gateway Women. I know you've got you've got your own ministry that you guys are just killing it in, and we're so proud of you, and we're so grateful. James and I are grateful for y'all's friendship and your relationship. You have mentored us. You're some of those couples that, you know, when we're walking through something, we call you and say, hey, what, what did you do in this situation? And I just, I just want to say thank you for the investment you've made, not only for this, but also in my personal life. I really, really appreciate you. Well, thank you, Bridget. This has just been such a blessing and we love you so much and we believe in you. And just so it's been so beautiful to watch, even from a distance, to see you step into your calling and and to be able to carry out the assignments that have been given to you every step of the way, um, because you're setting the pace for a generation of of women and, and the generation coming behind you in the church. And it's just beautiful to see. So we love you. We're so we, we just think the world of you guys and are praying just blessing and favor over you guys in the days to come. So thanks for having me on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, girls. uh, I love you. I will see you in the next episode. Uh, Thanks for joining us.